Hey guys, thanks for tuning in again, uh, this time for episode 9. This week we're going to be learning about a production office, which is a side of filmmaking that you may not be that familiar with. We've got Emily Thorne, who's a good friend of mine. She's a production coordinator, and she's going to take us through the whole process of how a production office works. We got Miriam Quijazada back as our guest co-host. And don't forget, if you ever have any follow-up questions about anything you've heard on this episode or a previous episode, you can contact us on Twitter at HWBB Podcast, or you can contact us on Facebook at Hollywood Backbone Podcast, or you can email me at HollywoodBackbone at gmail.com, and then we can answer your questions on a future episode. All right, so that's enough for me. So here you go, episode nine. Screenwriting software and stuff, so I still use it for like you know pr- home production related stuff. That's good, but I don't like to use it because it's probably going to die soon, <laughs> and everything yeah. I depend on is going to be gone. <laughs> well, we're here today with Emily Thorne, production coordinator, who we haven't worked together. We were just discussing like eight, eight years, eight wow. years. And we haven't seen each other in person in eight years. Right. But I feel like production years are like eight years are just like three years. Yeah. And now, with you know, social media, it's like when you see somebody eight years later, it's like, oh, yeah, I've seen you like weekly for the last eight years. Yeah, I know. I've been stalking you online with Facebook. And so I feel like I've seen you <laughs> just yesterday. <laughs> well, we're here again with Miriam, who is, is on her third episode. Yeah, I feel like I'm a pro now. I feel like I could just jump into the industry. <laughs> I'm kidding, I'm kidding, I'm kidding, I can't. Um, but, uh, There's a lot of people with the same mentality. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> Directors, mostly. You said it, I didn't. <laughs> I apologize to all the directors. Mm-hmm. So, Emily, tell us about uh, what a production coordinator does. How I, how I see production coordinating is you have to be okay with a lot of paperwork, like a lot of paper. So it's like it's where all the paper comes from, and it's where all the paper goes to when you're done with it. Oh. And so I feel like, like this is, I mean, it's definitely a side of the industry we haven't gotten into yet with, with regards to uh, production office, like what it takes to the organizational side of, of filmmaking. A lot of people think of it as immediately as like probably one of the most boring jobs, but it's really not. Because you're the first one there and you're the last one to leave. So, like, you get to see everything in mm-hmm. its entirety. And you also get to hear all the gossip remotely. <laughs> Which is the fun part, right? So much fun. <laughs> <laughs> it's really great because you, you're pretty much, you're responsible for all paperwork. So even though the ADs will make the call sheets or the production reports, um, the schedules, you are the distribution hub. You're the headquarters, I guess. So if anyone needs anything and they can't find it, there's times where, like, I get called to find someone on set by someone on set. So, like, I'm not there, but I'll help you find them. Like, you know what I mean? Um, so we pretty much are the go-to for any kind of questions. So you're not on set, then? You're some... Not all the time. Okay. If you get a really low-budget movie, sometimes the coordinator's in the trailer mm. with the 80s. Sometimes you do stage work, mm-hmm. and so sometimes you're they're on stage with everybody. Okay. But most of the projects I've worked on, it hasn't been like that. It's just been remote. Uh, Because you're functioning out of a separate production office, which was set up uh, in pre-production for the film. Yeah. Usually the case. And generally, if it's a low-budget feature film, like, I'm the one that helps find the location and then set up the office from everything from phones to um, whatever's in the kitchen, like, you know. Just like the nuts and bolts that no one really cares about unless it's not there. So you're sort of, you're supposed to know everything then. You should know everything and you should want to know everything. Because okay. it is kind of the same thing as the AD department. But you're, if anyone asks you a question, the worst thing you can say is I don't know. I don't know. Or I have no idea or ask someone else. Mm-hmm. Like, you can't say that. You should actually know how to find the answer if you don't have it. Mm-hmm. I like to eavesdrop a lot <laughs> because I love having the answer and I feel like, the best production team, not just the coordinator, but like the office PAs, the assistant coordinators, secretaries, should all be eavesdroppers. Like, mm. 
you should always be aware of your surroundings because at any moment someone could be talking about something and if you're not listening and then they ask you for something, you didn't hear all the details. You know, they'll just ask you for a cup of coffee. But, like, you now know that if you were eavesdropping, you're going to have to get coffee for everyone, yeah. not just that one person. So yeah. it's, it's, like, simple little things like that. Yeah. It all seems really, like, it's, it just seems like the boring stuff, but it really does, like, coffee especially. But it keeps the keeps, wheels moving, right? Yeah. It makes your job easier. Yeah. It does. Your life easier. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Everybody's actually. Everybody's <laughs> life easier. Yeah. yeah. But I, I primarily work underneath the um, production supervisor if there is one, but ultimately the UPM, the line producer. So the, UP, the unit production manager. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So nowadays I find that the line producer and the unit production manager are the same person. They tend to do that nowadays. So it does make it kind of easier. You have one person to go to. But that one person is so overwhelmed now with two two jobs mm-hmm. that it's hard to get answers most of the time. Mm-hmm. But um, I've been really lucky with working with people who are very communicative. So I was like, I have no problems getting answers. Mm-hmm. You know. And for if you don't, know, the line producer is in charge of uh, budgeting. Is, is generally is how, it, how, <laughs> I, how I used to see it was the line producer that I worked with were in charge of above the line. And the unit production manager was in charge of below the line. Uh-huh. So when it comes to like locking in cast or any of the big wigs, the line producer was mostly on top of that. But I mean, every single show is different. And so it's hard to say who, you know, like sometimes you get a line producer who doesn't want to do anything and they give the unit production manager everything to do. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of just a fine line. I think those definitions happen as soon as someone gets hired. You kind of get your, your job description up front. Okay. Same thing happens with production coordinators. Like I know some that don't want to touch budgets, but then like I personally love to know about budgets, and I like to track costs for people. So I don't just order equipment. I also mm-hmm. help watch all the lines, mm-hmm. to make sure we don't go over budget. Like so, I mean, it all depends on who you're working with and mm-hmm. what kind of what job description they give you. Yeah. yeah. So how long have you been doing this? I've been doing it since. Well, I started on set, and I actually started in props. I don't know. Did you really? Yes, I did. I, <laughs> um, I worked for Zero Money with my sister. We decided to, this was before the internet was really, really awesome with helping you find work. Well, we, it was called setworkers.com. Do you remember that? I don't remember that site. <laughs> this is like 2001. Okay. It was the only place you could go to and they give you a list of fax numbers and you just fax your resume. Wow. <laughs> so we faxed our resumes to like a hundred production companies and we got one phone call back and it was, will you work for free? As an art department PA slash prop master slash onset dresser, <laughs> and we had never done it before. That's a ever. lot of slashes. <laughs> but to, to us, we were like, "Yeah, we need to work on a movie. That's great." Um, but it was so bad because, like, we had this one scene, and of course, it was a soft porn. And it wasn't like it wasn't something where we were like, "This is movie making." Oh my god, we're so happy. It was like, "Oh my god, what are we getting ourselves into?" Um, we had to get a Manila envelope that the detective was going to rip, rip open, and um, we got one. That's we got, it. We got one envelope, and they Magic. said, "Okay, that's a cut." Okay, next envelope, and we're like, oh, "We don't no. have that." It no. only asked for one. It was really bad, but it was like a, like a huge lesson. Like we still reminisce about it. It was a disaster from start to finish, and it was a 15 day shoot, and it was crazy. Anyways, we decided was to was it a feature? Yeah, it was a feature. Wow, that's quick. <laughs> straight to video. I don't know if you could say straight to video anymore. Can you say you could say straight to video? I, yeah. I still use that term. If you know. People in their early 20s probably have no idea what that means. But. I know. It's all right. It's fine. But um, we went up the set PA um, AD route from there, and we did that for a few years. And then um, I got a job working in the office, and I fell in love with it, like, immediately. Nobody can actually see what I look like right now, but I'm pale. <laughs> and so me out in the elements is really bad news. I mean, it may, you really, really hustle when you're on set, and you get to learn all the ins and outs of everything. When, like, when you don't like being outside, it's yeah. the worst job in the world. Um, so when I found the office job, I was like, oh, this is the place for me. This is it. Yeah. And um, I'm computer savvy. I know how to organize and coordinate setting up offices. It's easy for me. So it's like I found my home. And so I've been off and on doing coordinating and production accounting since 2004, 2005. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So then it, are you, you're in 871 for production coordinating? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. How long well, you, in, yeah. Did you – so how did, the, how did that work? Did, uh, how did you end up getting – 
uh, into the production coordinator union. In union? Yeah. Um, okay, well, it was really easy because they're always desperate for members. But at the time, um, it was the writer's strike. And when SAG and the writers both went on strike, I went into reality TV because everything turned into like non-union work. It was really hard. 2007. Do you remember right? that? Yeah. Yeah. It's funny because I feel like in every episode we reference 2007. Because it was Friday horrible. Strike. Yeah, because it, it was terrible. It was rough on everybody. And it was the rise of reality television, mm-hmm. which like it was like it was just horrible. Which has ruined so many things. <laughs> it's taken away a lot of great scripted like time, yes. airtime. But I ended up getting stuck in doing casting, production management, and doing risk management, which is the background checks, medical checks, psych evals on all contestants, like going through the casting process and who. Is just crazy, but not too crazy. Yeah. Like, to be just crazy. enough not to be entertaining, but yeah. not to be really terrible. Not on yeah. medication yet. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so that was my job for a while, and I kind of got stuck doing that. But I oh, couldn't wait to get back into scripted. So I finally made that move back in. But I was gone for like I think about three years. Uh, but then I came back into this, and it was no big deal. I was the paperwork person in casting for reality, and I just went right back into paperwork again. Mm-hmm. I like it because it is actually a liability thing. So it's like. All the, the liability issues that can rise where like, you accidentally film someone that shouldn't be on camera, actors signing contracts, like making sure they didn't redline it without your knowledge, like, like little things where you're actually keeping the company safe mm-hmm. is your job. Um, I like that. I like looking through everything and making sure everything's correct and perfect. Mm-hmm. What, what was the term redline used? But... Redlining, when oh. um, somebody crosses out something. Yeah. That, oh, so, oh, okay. So it says, I, I will allow you to use my image oh, or likeness. Okay. We use that in fundraising yeah. as well. Redlining. Oh, okay. Yeah. But sometimes somebody will cross that out. And so all you're looking at is the signature page. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and you get it through the works. And it's like, uh-uh, no, <laughs> don't do that. I see what you did there. <laughs> it happens all the time. Oh, yeah. It drives me it crazy. With donors quite a lot, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I bet. So on, on any sort of given film, what, uh, how, how much time are you given in the pre-production process? Like, at what point are you... It depends, and this is the sad part, is that I've worked on so many low budgets where we haven't had a lot of time, and I used to work for, like, Hallmark Channel Movie of the Weeks, where they only gave you a week, like, as you're you're, you're prepping and wrapping with the 24-day shoot, then prep and wrap for a week at the same time. So, like, you can give me three or four months to prep, but I swear, like, you, I mean... It's horrible because, like, once you prove you can do it for a smaller amount of time, they hire you with a smaller amount of time. Yeah. But I would love having time to do stuff and get situated because once you have to rush to prep something, there's going to be little mistakes or you can't fix what somebody's not happy with. Like, you just don't have that kind of time to make sure everything's perfect. Yeah. On some features, I've had three months of prep, but that's because they started locations early because they have a ton of locations or it really depends. Like, right. um, But you can... I don't even want to, I don't want to say this and I'm so sorry to say this, but like if you gave me like two weeks or even four weeks or whatever to prep, it can happen. It can, it can be done. Right. So a lot of low budgets take advantage of that. It's just not going to, it's going to be crazy. It's just not going to be perfect. Yeah. And you're going to find yourself working longer hours. And those are typically the shows that tell you we don't pay overtime. Mm-hmm. So you're just donating your time in order to get it done, which is horrible and no one should do that. Yeah. But we end up having to do it no matter what. Just to get it done, so our lives aren't that crazy when we start shooting. <laughs> yeah. So uh, within your department, who, who are the different members that are, that you're, are working under you? My ideal department yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, is me, uh, APOC, which is, is an assistant production office coordinator. Um, everyone always thinks of that person as below the production coordinator, but truthfully, it's you, you guys are the same brain, like. Yeah. You can take off a whole week being sick, and this assistant production coordinator can totally do it. Like, no problems. You're getting somebody who is you, essentially, mm-hmm. but they just don't want to pay for two coordinators. I mean, I get it. Whatever. It's fine. But there's so much we do now in terms of paperwork and, like, ordering equipment and pretty much catering to every single department that now we need two yeah. of us. I always wish that we could always be paid the same because I, it's the same workload, yeah. whatever. Yeah. But one of us is the ultimate decider of how things are going to go. Yeah. That's really the difference between a production coordinator and an APOC. But then you have the production secretary, which is who you give most of your tedious tasks to. Just things that, like, where um, you do crew lists, like um, cast lists, like all their contact information, 
um, vendor lists, all of the vendors that we have, their telephone numbers, office hours, all that fun stuff, calling people to let them know that meetings are about to start or are going to happen in a couple of days. Like the pressure secretary is basically your secretary. So everything you can't get to mm -hmm. because there's so many more important things to do, the production secretary handles. You don't always get one and you don't always get an APOC either. Sometimes you get either or. So you can be a coordinator with a secretary mm -hmm. or you can be a coordinator with an APOC and that's it. And then Ideally, like transport, the transportation department doesn't really do a lot of runs for the production coordinator a lot of the times. So like our office PAs have become huge. So we normally get like three on a good day. <laughs> I mean, I've had, I've had a show where it's just been me and a, an office PA and that's it for oh a show. Goodness. And the thing is what sucks is that you can do it. I mean, it's awful. It's like <laughs> yeah. you die and you pull your hair out and it's like, it's yeah. crazy and you don't get any sleep. Like I used to put Red Bull next to my alarm clock so that <laughs> oh as soon gosh. as it went off, I would just chug it. Um, Cause it was like, we had no turnaround time, but you have to get it done and you can get it done. It's just nuts. For me, the ideal office is production coordinator, assistant production coordinator, production secretary, and about at least three PAs. And that's for a movie that you're working on or, or a TV show. Or a TV show. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah. All right. Yeah. So, I mean, the office PAs, I like, don't get a lot of like, they don't get a lot of like set respect because they're considered office PAs mm -hmm. and they can dress a little nicer if they want. Do you know what I mean? Um, and they're not like, it's, I don't know. It's one of those things where they're not considered set, but they do so much work that mm -hmm. it is crazy and they don't get a lot of respect, which is not really fair. Um, they do a lot of grunt work. They're the ones that pretty much help set up and move furniture and like get down and dirty, like to make sure that everything is all set in the production office. Mm -hmm. And they're the ones that do all the runs to pick up little things like, Sound department has broken, like, a ComTech. They go out and they run and pick it up. Mm -hmm. A lot of times transpo, um, transportation, doesn't really want to help out um, because they're so fixed on set or moving base camps if we have a lot of locations that they don't have the manpower. Um, so it's not like they don't want to. It's just they can't. They can't and they're more expensive that our office PAs become runners. So they're mostly mm -hmm. in their cars, and they're exhausted. Cause I don't know how if you guys know about commuting and being in your car <laughs> for, like, more than a half an hour yeah. It just drains you. These guys are in their cars so long every day. They come back into the office and you're like, I'm so sorry. I've got to send you back out. You try to consolidate all your runs so that yeah. they only have to go out once. But then there's sometimes there's those little emergencies and they just get so tired that a lot of times I don't even have them work a 12 hour day. I just make it shift because it's a liability issue. If they're yeah. tired, they shouldn't be driving. So yeah. Yeah. But I know a lot of like, coordinators who will work there office PAs to death where it's just like, oh my gosh, how are you putting them on the road? Mm -hmm. I had this one guy who was working with construction. He was a construction PA and he was, it was, he was working with construction with no pop-up tents, no cover. And it was so hot. And, um, he came to the office and he was obviously dehydrated. He couldn't even think straight and he couldn't get his words out. And we're just like, you need to take it easy. You just need to lie down. And he's like, no, 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 no. They need me back. They need me back. Right. So we're like, no. So we put him in a room with water and we wouldn't let him leave. Yeah. The next thing we know, like he's leaving and someone's looking out the window and they're like, he's leaving. He's in his car. He's driving away. He was pulling out of a spot where he had taken two spots because oh. he couldn't even park his car. Oh, no. So we were calling him and like, they don't or whatever. He wasn't answering his phone. So it's like, there's times where like PAs just get abused and it's yeah. like, um, it's, that kind of thing where I'm just like, not for that. I, yeah. I love them in pieces. I love having them in the office. They're so helpful. I hate seeing them get abused. It's terrible. Yeah. <laughs> I was your PA once. I, you, you treated us well. And you were, <laughs> and you were amazing. <laughs> Eddie was awesome. He would bring his puppets and oh. did a, a puppet show and everything. That was the best. <laughs> oh. oh, so long ago. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So once you start getting closer to actual uh, filming production, what, what how do the tasks change? Like what new things kind of come on your plate when you're like you know like a week away from shooting? There a week away from shooting, the week away from shooting, I can't. I love that. I love that week <laughs> so much because that just means that we're gonna get everybody out of the office. <laughs> so like I I am a social person, but it's a, when that office is filled full of people, everybody wants your attention a hundred percent, and if you can't give it to them. I, you know, their whole entire day is ruined. I'm not getting any help, that kind of thing. And it's like, oh my goodness, like everyone has a department, everyone has assistants, mm -hmm. but they love to go to the production office mm -hmm. for everything. And it's like, they ordered the wrong pencils. Then you've got to get them ASAP. And ASAP 
is my, I hate that word mm-hmm. and I hate to be negative about anything because I love my job a lot. <laughs> but when you say AACP to me, I'm just like, oh my goodness, why is it AACP? How did you, how did you come to this where now you need it so badly? Yeah. Like, why didn't you plan? Like, I don't need anything ASAP. Nope. Do you know what I mean? So I've got a checklist. Like, where's your checklist? Anyways, I feel like that week before is the best. You got everybody who's gunning for the same thing. Everybody can't wait to start day one. Everyone's finally getting everything locked in, which feels great. The script is getting locked in. Because I've noticed lately, and I don't know if you have the same thing on your shows, where like, scripts um, are going through drafts and drafts and drafts before you even start shooting. Yeah. I mean, you know, definitely in any feature worked on, it's been like that. So. Yeah, and it's getting worse and worse. Like, I think at one point we had actually hit something like um, Green or Goldenrod before we even started. And I was like, oh, my goodness. How did the script get approved if it needed so many changes? Oh. So flesh, flesh out that process for us, like what what the, what the script changes entail, like the different colors. And uh, like well, I have a, a lot of times, like, um, it depends. It depends on who you're working with when it comes to colors. I've worked with low-budget shows where colored paper is really expensive. So um, they'll take you up a certain route. So white... White used to just be the original shooting draft, but now people have gone back to double white, which I think is really bizarre. Like, I've had that happen now on two shows. But white (laughs) is normally just the original draft. Mm -hmm. And then you go up, if you make any changes, dialogue or scenes or anything, you go up blue, then you go to pink, then you go to yellow, then green, then goldenrod. Um, And most low-budget shows would stop at goldenrod and then go back to double blue. Mm-hmm. And then double, so you can so you don't have to buy a lot of paper. You just can stick with the paper and use it up as much as you can. But it really depends. I just worked on a, with one studio where their color grid was not anything I'd ever seen before. It, like they had the color orchid, and I don't think that orchid is a a color in our color scheme. But, I didn't, I've been run across that one. <laughs> yeah. So, but the thing is, like, you've got people who create colors. Um, so I, you, you have a color scheme that's general. I can't tell you what all that is in order, just because. We hardly ever really hit that marker. And if we do, it's maybe for one page or something. So I tend not to memorize. If I had it memorized, would you be impressed? I would be. I'm so sorry. It's usually printed up and put on the wall. Exactly. (laughs) This podcast is over. Oh, Eddie. (laughs) No. So the idea is that... um, each time there's a new color, yeah. that, that new color page is being put into the script. So then as you're going through it, you you realize, like, what's... So, you you know, you flip through a few white pages, then you yeah. see a blue page. So that's the new thing that's been added. So okay. that it helps keep you organized. Oh, I see. You, yeah, so you get a really colorful script by the end of the show. Okay. Um, and you'll always see it on the front of the call, like call sheets. They'll tell you what color draft we're on in the script. Mm-hmm. Um, I've had times where actors haven't collated their scripts. And they've memorized the wrong lines because um, oh. whatever I know it's horrible. <laughs> and, it, and it's and by the way, it's it's my fault it's, if that happens if they don't collate it or whatever. That's that's your responsibility. That'll, that'll come back to the production office. Uh, but we're like we're pretty much the scapegoats. You accept that as as fact, that no matter in. what. Yeah. Yes, mm-hmm. um, you have to make sure everything's hand delivered to actors. That's one huge lesson. Like mm-hmm. otherwise, that's bound to happen if there's a lot of script changes. Mm-hmm. Wow. No. Mm-hmm. So hand delivered. So that means that like anytime anything changes in the script, your office has to make those changes mm-hmm. and then push that out to the actors. And well, a lot of actors now don't want hard, hard copies. They want digitals. So what we do uh, when we release new pages is mm-hmm. we will say like uh, revised blue pages and a fully collated script. So you have attachments with just the blue revised pages so they can see what changed. Mm-hmm. And then you've got the full digital script. Okay. But you have to really rely on them downloading that fully collated script and yeah. trust. So you, I mean, you can cover your butt as much as you want by just saying, you know, please say that you can open these attachments and everything looks great and that you've got the fully collated and you're good to go <laughs> and you're going to memorize all the right lines and yeah. thanks so much. Um, <laughs> But um, you can't, you can't, no one's perfect. Everyone, yeah, yeah it's fine. Yeah. Whatever. You get, you get pretty thick skin. You're like, yeah, it's my fault. Yeah. Moving yeah. on. <laughs> Moving on. They'll forget about it later. <laughs> so once that week is finished mm-hmm. and then they've moved into the, you know, the first day of shooting, I remember it's a breath of fresh, fresh air in the production office when it's just like you and, you know, six, seven other people. It's amazing because when you have anything chaotic happening on set and you get the phone calls and someone's like, we need this ASAP, ASAP, you can just hang up the phone and it's quiet again. Yes. Whereas in when you're on set, it's, you're in it. You can't escape it at all. You've got a walkie on that's constantly telling you ASAP, ASAP. So yeah. yeah. 
Um, but yeah, that as soon as everyone's gone, it's great. And then you can immediately get organized with your priorities. And then everyone pretty much filters you, filters through you, like what their priorities are. Mm-hmm. A lot of times departments will order their own equipment and they just tell you that they need a purchase order, which means that you've got to call the vendor and lock in that order. Mm-hmm. So it's either delivered or picked up and you can coordinate who's going to pick it up, whether or not that company is delivering it. Like there's a lot of ins and outs to the coordinating. It's, almost, it's just like planning a wedding. If you just look at it as simply as, as that, like mm-hmm. it's pretty much that. Um, but a lot of people order their own equipment. If they don't, then it becomes an issue because now you suddenly you have to learn how to be a camera person mm-hmm. and you got to know exactly what they're talking about. It's kind of hard because con- everything's constantly evolving, equipment and add-ons, condors and all that stuff are constantly changing. So you have to keep up. I'm trying hard though, by the way, my union's got like these awesome, a union and PGA, which I just joined recently, which I recommend anyone who can join the PGA do it. The Producers Producer Guild of America? Yes. Not, not the pro golf. Which I thought it was. <laughs> the first time I heard PGA, I totally thought that this, U, this, Why would I join the this UPM was like, I'm coming up for a PGA meeting and I was like, oh, you might, you play golf. And I felt like the biggest idiot because I had no idea. But, um... <laughs> But yes, it's the Producers Guild Association, and they have these get-to-know-what-dollies you're using, like camera dollies, mm-hmm. and like you can go there into J.L. Fisher, and you can like walk around and just see what they've got, and it's really important to do that, and I have to really have to do that more often, just because things are constantly moving. So if you don't know what anyone's talking about, you're only just going to have to look it up on the internet and try to figure out how it applies. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. So I, it seems like you kind of have to know a lot about everything. Yeah, a lot of people, some, some coordinators don't want to, and they just rather would just sit back and just do the paperwork. Mm-hmm. But um, if you want to move up, and you want to move up to unit production manager or production supervisor or line producer or whatever, you do have to know these things. Mm-hmm. And it's like I've gotten to that point where I, I like being a production coordinator because you're a middleman, so everything filters through you, so there's you really get to learn a lot. Um, it's what you want to do with that, that knowledge that's going to say whether or not you want to move up or not. I've been really comfortable as a production coordinator, but I've gotten to that point now where... It's like, I would like to move up. So my interest has has skyrocketed into learning about wanting to be on set maybe for half the day and then coming back. It's hard, too, because when you're not on set like and you're being asked to figure out what this equipment is, it is nice to kind of see how it works. Mm-hmm. Like I would love to see how a technocrane actually works. I can't tell you. <laughs> <laughs> I can watch videos on whatever, but it's like you, if you don't hear everyone talking and seeing how it works and like how, why people need this and that, it's kind of hard to, like, remember it. Mm-hmm. So, like, if you don't have a technocrane for five shows later and then someone brings it up again, you're like, oh, my gosh, I don't remember what it did last time. Mm-hmm. You know, like, whatever. Like, you have to constantly apply it. Mm-hmm. So it would be kind of nice for production coordinators to be able to go on tech scouts. We don't go, don't go on tech scouts, mm-hmm. which I don't really understand since we're the ones that order most of the equipment. Um, and we also have to figure out where people are and where things are on the onset and tell people where to go. A lot of times agents, managers will say, we want to come visit set. And so we just have to say, hey, here's the second assistant director's number. He'll help you out because we don't know what it looks like, mm-hmm. you know. And it's hard. But I would love to go on Tech Scouts. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and just, and going to Tech Scouts, that's just break it down. That's where all the department heads go and see every location mm-hmm. that you're about to film in for the next, you know, month. And figure all the logistics. Yeah. Like everything. Every mm-hmm. department head's there. It's, it's, I don't know. It's just something that I wish that coordinators were more um, privy to. It makes sense. I, yeah, mm-hmm. I never but really they always about schedule it. the tech scouts so far, like so close to the shoot date. Normally, it's the week of. Mm-hmm. Like so, before we start shooting, it's one day or two days, sometimes three days of tech scouts, and then you have the production meeting, which is all the department heads saying, um, "Let's go through the script, and if anyone has any last minute." things that they have questions about this is the time Tough. to ask <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah sometimes people go through scripts sometimes people go through schedules like shooting schedules um but i mean it all depends on the first ad the first assistant director yes mm-hmm. um, but we haven't we haven't spoken to one yet but i do want to get one on here one day yeah yeah that would be good <laughs> well I, you know the, the, the idea is to get everybody at some point <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah exactly yeah, first assistant directors and production coordinators are always like pretty much best friends mm-hmm. before the second assistant director arrives. And then as soon as they start, you're pretty much talking to the second for, from then on. Okay. Um, and they become your liaison on set. So once we start shooting, if there's any problems or if there's anything that you need to alert them to, it's normally calling the second assistant director. Mm-hmm. It used to be that they used to sit in and they would just do the call sheets. Um, and they would handle extras, ordering anything for the next day. They would make sure it was in place. Um, but now it's, I think that second 80s are now making their way to being on set more. 
I don't know if you've seen that. They're, le- they're not so much in the trailer, and they have, sometimes have like PAs who are willing to move up in the trailer helping them out. Um, I've seen the, the second second on set a lot. That's happening to the way they used to run base camp. Yeah. And now, the, they, now they're on okay. set. Yeah, every now and then. Yeah, I guess you see them on set, but for the most part, they seem like they stick, stuck to base camp. Mm-hmm. You know, getting flack on the walkie about why the call sheet isn't right. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I know. I feel like it, it's hard to define anything because like it depends on who you're working with. Yeah. So a lot of times it's, you can never just say the second assistant director is going to be in the trailer doing call sheets all day. You can never say that because you might have one that wants to be on set with his laptop next to the first AD the yeah. entire day. So it's like it's it's really kind of hard to tell where they're they are. Mm-hmm. And if they're not answering their phone, a lot of times it's because that's who they are. They're next to the first AD, and mm-hmm. I should be calling the second second. <laughs> so it's like you got to figure it out. It's all. Yeah. Yeah. So then what, so as you start getting to uh, the end of the production, what does the rap process kind of involve? The rap process is difficult only because you personally, like in, as a production coordinator, you can't rap your department or get together all your rap discs um, until everybody is wrapped because you need to get everybody's rap lists, their inventory lists, what storage units everything is going to go to, if they're going to a storage unit, if you're supposed to sell all this stuff, mm-hmm. if like... If you're leaving it for the next production team that comes, if the studio wants everything to go back to them. So like, there's a million different ways you can wrap out a show, mm. but you personally can't close out an office or anything until everybody is done. And then normally you would get between two to four weeks of wrap. Mm-hmm. A lot of times they think that you guys all can wrap at the same time. And it's like, if you do that, <laughs> it's just so crazy mm-hmm. because it's like then you're pretty much giving a to-do list to whoever the supervisor is or the unit production manager or the studio. And you're like, all this stuff is still pending. So <laughs> goodbye and good luck. Um, fun. Yeah. If you really want to clean wrap out, the coordinator should be on with the accountants for at least like a month after you wrap shooting. Because a lot of times departments get one to two weeks of wrap mm-hmm. and then you have to clean up all their wrap. They'll turn in binders and stuff like that. And a lot of times, like, ADs, like, or any other departments, they don't really care about what happens at RAP because they're done, yeah. you know? So they'll hand over sloppy stuff. <laughs> they don't care what it looks like, and they go, ah, oh, it's done. And so they'll never hear about it again. But then the coordinator is the one that's going, what am I looking at here? Yeah. Like, this is a total mess. So you have to clean up. And if you want to coordinate, like, you have to be okay with wanting to make something look really nice and neat. And yeah. I love making things look nice and neat. Wow. I like making all the binders look exactly the same. Like, <laughs> everything has to have the same label. It's hard to find things otherwise. Um, you end up just getting, like, dirty, disgusting binders with every single binder has a script in it. And it's, like, it's so not necessary. Like, you got to clean through it, make sure it's all nice and perfect. But you can't do that in a, in a couple of days. And you yeah. can't do that while they're wrapping either. And you have to give everything to the studio or whatever, the network, whatever they want also. You have to make their binders their discs, everything that they want in their order, which might be different from how the producer wants it. So you got to mm-hmm. do two different wrap outs. Oh my. So it's like, but it depends. It really does. Like sometimes you have an easy wrap out and you're like, oh my goodness. There have been art departments that I've worked with where I'm just like, who are you guys? You're magical. <laughs> <laughs> I don't have to do a thing. This yeah. is so gorgeous. Yeah. Um, but then there's other ones that would just like throw everything into a couple boxes and put one, two, three on it. And you're like, I don't even know what this means. Here's a handful why, of Polaroids. Why do you are. hate me? Yeah. You just said Polaroids. You're <laughs> so hilarious. Some people, some people still use Polaroids. Who uses Polaroids? I, I've run into a few people. Uh, uh, what was the last one? And it, but I just remember it coming up. It's amazing. Up. I know it was crazy. It came up because it was like a director. No, I don't even remember now. But I remember like having to find Polaroids like online, like way after they'd been discontinued. Oh my it's gosh! Just like, why? And it was it wasn't for something that was being used on camera either. It wasn't like you know a scene that involved. It was something you know behind the scenes. It was like why no? Well, I'm not going to lie to you. I miss Polaroids being available for makeup and hair. Because, yeah. like, them doing, when they do digital photos and stuff like that, it, it seems to be difficult for them to print, like, print them out or create a digital file mm-hmm. where you can list every single thing that's used on this actor and, like, make it nice and pretty. Yeah. Whereas in Polaroid, um, those days, those continuity binders were done in two seconds. That's true, yeah. Yeah, it was so easy. You didn't have a million photos. You had one, you know yeah. what I mean, to fish through. Like, <laughs> now it's, like, whatever <laughs> angle you can get these actors in. It's mm-hmm. weird. Wow. So it seems like you should probably have a knack for organizing. You should love it. 
You should love it. You should be obsessed with it mm-hmm. if you want to be a production <laughs> coordinator. The thing is, if you want to be a producer or UPM, um, like I feel like you can go coordinating. You can do that. Um, and you can skip through it real fast if you want. Like I feel like some people do that. They do the coordinating thing for a few shows, and then it's not their thing. They yeah. hate it. They can't stand it. They want to be outside. It's normally those people that say, oh, I need to go outside and take a walk. I can't be by my desk anymore. And it's like, <laughs> those are the people that want to get out and they yeah. want to become producers right away. Yeah. For me, there's been times where I've stood up and I, my hips have locked because it's like, <laughs> I cannot yourself. get out of my chair. You have to sit yeah. up once an hour. No, I know. <laughs> I actually invested in a standing desk. Yeah. The last producer supervisor I worked with, she um, had one and she's like, you can take it. And I'm like, oh my God, this is going to oh, change nice. my life. Yes. So yeah. So yeah, we'll, I'll let you know <laughs> how that works out. Uh, mm-hmm. So once so once the production is finally over, everything's wrap is done, and then you're done. Is there any is there ever any like uh, continued contact from the production like when when they're when they're trying to deal with all the stuff that now yeah. like is in storage? Do they do they ever have to contact you and be like, what about this? Or well, this is kind of a weird thing is that you kind of don't want to hold on to these confidential files or make a wrap disk for yourself of everything like cast contracts, all that stuff. But you really have to because it's like if you don't have a copy of what you've turned over and they can't find something, you can't find it for them. You can't just be like, oh, I can't really remember. Right. Um, I try to make my digital files um, like in huge categories and break them down into categories where it's so easy to find what you're looking for. A lot of people like just like to dump their phone and all my, do you call it naming conventions mm-hmm. all match. It's very, very easy to find things, but things you have to want to do this and you have to want to turn over a perfect package. If you don't get a lot of calls at the end of a show, you did a great job. Yeah. <laughs> if you get a lot of calls at the end of the show and people can't find stuff, mm-hmm. you know, you need to work on that wrap out. Like yeah. you need to make a nice clean. Like in my very beginning, like when we started doing more digital wrap outs rather than binders, I used to get a lot of phone calls because I was like, oh, gosh, I can't remember what I did with that. I didn't take binders home with me. Now, with digital, it's so much easier. But I I do want to, like, it's it's really weird. You should have to, you should delete everything once you're done with it. Mm-hmm. Once all the questions stop happening, you should. But then it's kind of hard because a lot of times people call you asking you to reference something. Yeah. And, like, that's your reference book. Yeah. You know? And so, like, when it comes to releases, what releases you used, things like that. But you shouldn't really want to hold on to confidential information yeah. until after it airs. And then you should be good. So like, yeah. let it go. Let it go. <laughs> let it go. It's hard not to hoard when you're yeah. a production coordinator. No joke. Take it out to a field and set it on fire. Hoard. Yes. Organize. <laughs> yeah. Because you're so scared that if you throw it away, someone's going to all of a sudden ask you for that. And you're like, oh, gosh. Yeah. It's there, but I, I don't know what you're looking at, so I can't help you. Yeah. I recall boxes and boxes and boxes, <laughs> actually. <laughs> oh. <laughs> you just called her out on it. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. So, so you were saying before you first started on um, it was the the uh, art PA slash prop slash onset dresser position. But before that was was your idea you generally wanted to work in production, or did you have like a certain goal beforehand? Yeah, no, I've got I've got a twin sister who was in the industry with me, and she still is. Um, and she went. I don't believe you have a twin sister. She, she Eddie, please. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> she's, here, she's here right now. <laughs> oh, and so she wanted to be a director and I wanted to be a producer. We wanted to kind of go up. I mean, we were at the time we were 21. So it was like you, you've got a certain idea of, of what you're getting yourself into in the beginning. And you think this is what I want to do. But then once you experience other departments, you kind of just change your mind. Um, a lot of times I always like think that a lot of people should work on set first. It's like a set PA right. to kind of figure out what department you actually really are interested in. Because I thought I wanted to be a unit production manager and a line producer. And so I went into accounting. And I did payroll for a couple of years. And then I did production accounting for a year or so. um, Just to figure out how to read budgets and how to make them and how to read cost reports. And cost reports are the final numbers. So you can see whether or not you're over budget or under budget. It's kind of like your little Bible that you get every week. So... Once I took the accounting position, I got yelled at all the time because everyone's like, where's my money? You paid me wrong. Like when it comes to money, people get crazy and I don't know how payroll accountants do it, but I was telling my sister, like, if you look at photographs of me from like when I was younger, all the way up until I started doing payroll, I had like really soft eyes in photographs where I was like, I, I was like enjoying life and like <laughs> everything was okay. And then suddenly after I finished doing payroll, my eyes and pictures look crazy and there's nothing I can do about it. There's no, and I still have it. I'm scarred <laughs> doing payroll. I have to give total, total, like every, all, all my heart to these payroll accountants. Like they, yeah. they put up with a lot of crap. Because a lot of times people have a problem with their paycheck. There's actually nothing wrong with it. Mm-hmm. It's right. 
So it's very frustrating. Um, but so I did that for a while and I couldn't stand it. And I was like, you know what? I loved coordinating. You're the middleman. Like you, you pretty much, you are a department head, but you really don't get to tell, you don't get to tell the ADs what to do. Yeah. Do you know I mean? You don't get to tell the producer or production supervisor what to do. You're pretty much the middleman. It's what do you need me to do? What do you need me to do? And I'll do it kind of thing. You know what I mean? And then you have your experience and you have like whether or not like what, what's going to happen, worst case scenarios, best case scenarios, it comes with experience where if somebody says we should do it this way, you go, no, 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 no. If we do it that way, this might happen because it's happened to me before. So like, Mm -hmm. it just depends on experience with where your opinion even matters, which is kind of unfortunate. It gets kind of frustrating after a while, but like, I don't know. I feel like if if you want to, if you want to get yelled at, and you're okay with it, and you're thin-skinned, or thick-skinned, um, and you're okay with being yelled at about money, or food, or anything like that, then you can totally move up to UPF, <laughs> my producer. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, I'm, I feel like I'm there now. I wasn't there before. I was like, yeah. I got very, I took things very personally. And in this industry, you really can't. Mm. If you take things personally, like, you're not going to last very long. Like, yeah. I just feel like... It is what it is. We're just making movies and television. It's fun. It's supposed to be fun. Yeah. Like the reward at the end for seeing the finished product is fantastic. And you're supposed to enjoy yourself. Mm-hmm. It's supposed to be something where like you say what you do for a living at a party and everybody was like, oh, wow. you got that job? <laughs> that just, you know, I just work at a bank. Yeah. Like it, we have the fun job. So yeah. it's, it kind of depends on what you want to do. Yeah. I have friends that just went up the ladder really fast, thick skinned, take anything. You can yell at them. You can say whatever you want and they can move on with their lives. Yeah. So it's like, it just takes, it takes a certain personality to take that move. Yep. But yeah. Wow. So I've been doing this a long time. <laughs> I'm really impressed. It seems like you, you've got, you're in the right industry, in the right part of it. It seems obvious that you love what you do. And the things I would love to go back to set and maybe UPM and production supervise or whatever. But I swear, the amount of money I'm going to spend on sunblock, you guys. <laughs> <laughs> oh, You've been inside my too long. goodness. <laughs> You yes. just get a big hat and you're <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Now, did, uh, I feel like I remember you saying, did, were, your, were your parents involved in the production industry? Is yeah, that... my dad. Okay, that's right. Yeah, my dad, um, he's passed away. Mm-hmm. Um, he was in the business since the 20s. Mm. Or not 20s, he was born in the 20s. Excuse me, I'm so sorry. <laughs> and since the 40s. Since the 40s. Um, he uh, was a composer. But he played in, like, the big bands in England in the 40s and, like, moved his way up and started working on Richard Lester films and then, like, made his way to the United States working on Superman 2. Okay. Um, but he had won an Oscar back in the 60s for A Funny Thing Happened Way of the Form as an adaptation. Mm-hmm. Um, but he ended up getting locked into Hallmark movies of the week. And so he had actually gotten me my first job. Not my first job, but my first job working for Hallmark movies. As just, like, I was a cast driver. But he was doing the music for the movie that I was working on. Mm-hmm. And we have a close friend who's like, his name is Kevin Connor. He directs most of those movies okay. and Lifetime movies and stuff. So, yeah. Do you think that, is that where the influence came from for you and your sister? Yeah. It- and you want to know why? Because he won that damn Oscar. We got every <laughs> single screener since they started making screeners. And we still have like, all those VHSs up on a huge shelf at my mom's house. Um, so my sister and I watched every single one of them. And it's like, initially I wanted to be a lawyer. And that did not happen because I did that first show as a prop person. And I just thought that was so much fun, the camaraderie on set. Mm-hmm. Like everyone just becomes a huge family and you just get addicted to it. It's like, um, my mom described it perfectly. She said it's like working on a cruise ship. You know what I mean? Like, you you get a whole new crew, like, every single show you do. And it's it's That's awesome. True. You know? It's like, it's really, really fun. I did the great description that we were talking to uh, Dave Kirshner, a sound mixer, just previously tonight. Is like, if we... If if it, if it were like the late eighteen hundreds, all of us would be working in the circus. Like, that's <laughs> really it, funny, but yeah. it's totally true. Yeah. You have to be a certain kind of personality exactly. to yeah, deal with this. Exactly what he said. That's yeah. so funny. Yeah, because this is definitely a sh- like it's it's so rewarding, but you have to be a masochist. Yeah, because you have to be able to put up with a lot of creative personalities. It's rough. And it's always changing. It's, it's mm-hmm. always different. You're never going to... Always. Lose, yeah. Never run into the same thing twice, usually. <laughs> no, and the weirdest things happen, and you have the craziest stories ever. We were... Speaking of which... Yes! <laughs> oh! Yes! Because the, one of the things we worked on... We were talking about this earlier, because I... Honestly, I think it's one of the craziest stories I've run into just working in this industry. Yeah. And I'm not going to mention any names of anybody or anything, but it was just because it was so nuts. 
But I mean, you know the one I'm talking about. Yeah, I do. Um, that. Well, so, yeah. Well, sometimes um, you get given. You you get given. Excuse me. Uh, <laughs> hi. <laughs> um, there's there's nepotism sometimes, um, and you have to take on political hires and political exactly. hires are people that that know someone who's bigger than you, um, who you can make a, make or break your job if you don't hire this person. Exactly. Um, <laughs> so, uh, I got, well, we got Eddie. Yep. Um, like, I don't know. I'm, I'm not saying this to be rude or anything. We had a, a legitimate homeless man, um, given to us as a, a office PA. Um, really? He actually, yeah. He, no, no joke. And the thing is, is he actually really did. He needed help. Uh-huh. He didn't want it. Uh-huh. He didn't want any help. He uh, knew one of the higher ups, and the higher ups found like saw him and was like, "What are you doing?" And decided to give this guy a job because he felt so guilty that he was doing so well. And here's an equal. Have they been friends? Like, yes. Like, yeah. Like they grew a long up. Time. They grew yeah. up together. And then they're so what am I do? What am I do? Say I'm not going to say no. <laughs> well, did they try to start him out in one of the, in construction in the construction department? But then the courts uh, construction coordinator couldn't. Let him do anything because that's a union. Because thing. he was, and he was always drunk or high, like yeah. absolutely out of his mind, drunk or high. But he was sleeping in our parking lot. That's right. Yeah. And so I would come into work in the morning, and I would see him, and I would say, "Hey, good morning. It's time to get started." Like no joke. That's how it happened. Wow. But then it got really bad because he got very comfortable. At first, there was a lot of respect, even though like he he didn't he didn't shower, he didn't do anything. He would use our bathroom to shower in the sink and stuff like that, and it was. It was like one of those things where we were very sympathetic to it. Yeah. But then... So why was the person he knew not putting him up in a hotel? Well, he offered that. Oh, he did? Oh, okay. Yes. He actually offered him a hotel to stay in, and he refused. He said he had the YMCA, and he was going to do that, and this is the life he he needed. He needed Mm -hmm. this life. Mm -hmm. But he was going to get paid in cash or whatever, um, whatever, and he was going to get a burner phone and all that stuff. But he ended up getting really unruly, which was like, what do we do here? Yeah. Where I saw parts of his body that I didn't need to see. Oh, <laughs> do you know what I mean? But, okay. And it was the first time I'd ever called 911 because he remember he fell asleep. Yeah, because I remember showing up for work uh, one day and then he was laying in the doorway, passed out. Legs the, outside, yeah. head inside. Of the office pants, building. Pants down. Was it, where's pants? Pants oh, down. Um, but I just remember looking at him like, What's going on? Like what? Yeah, and he wouldn't wake up. Like, and he yeah. wouldn't wake up. So we was had to call nine one one. No, he was alive. Yeah. <laughs> so we called nine one one, and he got very upset. And then I got in trouble for calling nine one one. But it was like I didn't know what else to do. He was absolutely gone. He was out. He was you out. You couldn't move him. Yeah, you couldn't move him. So um, the next thing he did was he asked any all of our PAs like, "Do any of you guys have tattoos? Do you remember this? I do remember. Were this, you here yeah. for this? I, I think I was told about it later, but I remember. And one of our PAs had a tattoo in his mouth. And yeah, the and under his, on his lip. And this man stuck his hand in the PA's mouth. And we I've never screamed as loud as I screamed when that happened. And we said, this has got to stop. This has yeah. got to stop. This so they so they brought him to set instead, and they made him a set PA. That's right. Yeah. But then he kept selling his burner phones. And we had to keep on getting him burner phones. Um, and then he, I think he sold one of the walkies. Or oh, my, something oh, I didn't like know that. that. That's crazy. So then we lost a walkie, and yeah. then we had to just pay the loss and damage, L&D on that. It was crazy. It was, like, it was yeah, actually it was the craziest thing. I thought I had seen everything until somebody gave me um, him. Wow. And, and I, it wasn't the the final straw was his exposing himself yeah. to you. And then, then, then he, I feel um, like he ran off. He didn't run off. I had to tell him to leave. Ah. Because he said, I want to move this table away and have my way with you. <gasps> it's, oh, my goodness. Yeah. I did, oh. not, I did not realize that that's what happened. It got unruly, Eddie. <laughs> And I was alone. I was alone with him at one o'clock in the morning because oh, yeah. he was he was the late. Oh, PA. Okay, right, right. And I was all by myself, and I'm like, "Bye, everybody. This is it. This is where I disappear forever." This is it. Yep. Oh my goodness. Yeah, but that yeah, you get also. the yeah. So when you talk about political hires, it's like the first thing that dawns into my <laughs> dawns on me is like just that That's happened it. to me. But I, I I feel like I remember that all of this was relayed to the higher up. Who thought it was hysterical? Hysterical. Yeah, thought everything that told me to get over it, like all that stuff. Like he's no. he's just being him. He's just being himself. Like no big deal. Oh, and that's old so and so. Yeah, this is the person that knew him that hired him. Wow, what mm-hmm. a gem! Oh my gosh, <laughs> but that's the thing. 
These are the awesome memories we get. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I, I still like tell people that that I feel like that's probably the crazy one of the craziest stories from just working in the industry. Yeah, I don't actually really have anything that tops that because <laughs> that went on for a couple weeks. That I hope nothing tops. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No. Wow. No way. I know. I mean, that's what sucks too about the production office is that, like, a lot of times once everyone leaves, you are on your own. So, like, whatever mm-hmm. disasters you have on your end, you really have to paint the picture. Yeah. Like, otherwise, they don't really care. You're mm-hmm. in the office. You're not dealing with what we're dealing with. Nothing, yeah, nothing. in your world is it's as crazy as what's in our world. Yeah. And it's like, uh, no, that's not necessarily true. No. Actually. Not this time. I've never had to call 911 before. So, <laughs> it's like, oh, my goodness. Yeah. That was a really fun show. Yeah, that was fun. <laughs> that was actually one of the the best shows I ever worked on. Like oh, in yeah? terms of crew, like um, that crew was so tight and awesome and fun that like even though the show was crazy and we were low budget for going over, like yeah, yeah. it was just it was awesome. Like we yeah. were so happy there. An insane production designer. <laughs> and, oh my god! Yeah, that was really funny. He was um, he tried to test how intelligent we were. He said, "You guys aren't." aren't that smart here in America or whatever I think mm-hmm. it was. And he said, if, name me an astronaut, <laughs> right? Just name me one astronaut. And I can't remember the girl's name, but she, she just did us all wrong. She said, Buzz Lightyear. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, what have you done? And he went, exactly. And I was like, what did you just do? Oh my God. <laughs> Terrible. Buzz Lightyear. Yeah. <laughs> I'm always, uh, I can't remember her name. Oh, well, it's all right. It probably don't need to. <laughs> don't I've, never, I've never seen her again, so it's fine. <laughs> uh, you know, I, it's been a while since I've worked on just a, you know, a, fe- a feature from start to finish. Like, it's mostly I've been doing television lately, but I do miss yeah. the... I, I know sometimes it, everything just sort of feels a little different on film because it's so short. Yeah. But, because uh, on TV sometimes it's just like, oh, it just keeps going. <laughs> this is the thing going to stop. <laughs> yeah. No, for sure. And it's also, you get kind of bored, because if you keep on working on the same show, yeah, um, it same just turns into and... a well-oiled machine, and then it's the same day every day. Yeah, yeah. And um, everything's just so easy, and you're like, if you're crazy like I am, you're like, I need some, I need some challenges. So you wouldn't <laughs> want to be on a show that lasts like six, seven seasons that would like just... Well, it depends because it depends on the show. You might have a crazy show. Oh, okay. You know, but um, I was working on Parks and Recreation, and that show was so smooth. It was Mm -hmm. like I worked on it for like two seasons, and it was smooth. Mm -hmm. We were working on their old stage on you get uh, CBS Rep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We were there on the old stage because somebody wrote up on the wall like Parks and Rec was here. It was one of the best crews I ever worked with. Like, everyone who was supposed to do their job did the job they were supposed to do. Like, there was no um, afraid to volunteer yourself because you're afraid this is going to become your job. Like, mm-hmm. you, you kind of just, everybody wanted to help everybody because mm-hmm. everybody did their jobs. Yeah. And which is very rare. A lot of times people like to pass the buck and go, well, no, I think that's your job. That's the problem with this industry is nothing's really laid out as a checklist, mm-hmm. you know? Um, like, a lot of payroll stuff ends up becoming the production coordinator's job, which is really bizarre, but it happens. Um, whereas in, like, I don't know. That's one of the shows I look at where I'm just like, ah, but there were no challenge. There was no challenges. Like there was no, there was no crazy craziness. Everyone was so amazing. That was Mm -hmm. so nice. Yeah. It was great. But then I left that show to go do the show you and I worked on. Cause I wanted, I wanted, I wanted to get back in features. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. I remember you telling me stories from Parks and Rec. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love doing features because one of the things is like I love doing television too, but there's something about features where you only, you only really have a certain amount of time to do something that it's like, I don't know, the, the crazy is amped, mm-hmm. is amped up. I like the job security on, on television. Me too. But I would like, if I could do one feature here in between, like... That's what I'm trying season, to do. That'd be great. I've been working on You're the Worst. Um, I'm, on, I'm doing the, the fourth season, but I've done three seasons with them now. If I, if I started this show, one, right? yeah, oh, okay. it's a great show. It's really funny. I haven't seen that. Before, it's a, it, yeah, it's an anti-romantic comedy that is like <laughs> totally up my alley. So like, it's really, it's really great. I recommend anyone to see it. It's really fun. But um, I love that show, and that one also has it's like craziness. We have so many look. The more locations you have, the crazier the show is yeah. going to be, mm-hmm. no matter what. If you have a lot of stage work, you're totally lucky. Mm-hmm. Um, but things are going to be really easy. But everyone's going to do their job. It's one of those things where it's like the. The more locations, the yeah. more things get lost. Mm. The more people get upset. Yeah. Like, Transville gets more, 
grumpier. You know, like, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So it's like, whenever I see a show where we've got a million locations, I'm like, oh, no. Like, we just did a show that guaranteed us um, just three locations or four locations. Um, awesome. I was like, are you serious? We're going to be in one location for, like, a month? Uh, and then the rain kicked in in January. I don't yeah. you guys that yeah. rain we were like <laughs> an ex, we were an exterior movie oh, and we were doing no. like crazy action stuff and so I was like you gotta be kidding me we had to change everything yeah. this movie like, now takes place in Portland oh my gosh <laughs> well the director was like can we just make this a rainy movie then and they're like uh no you can't it's not a rainy movie it was it was like seriously gonna be awesome yeah. and like locations are locked and everything and then everything just flew up into the air mm-hmm. and everyone was like why is this show so crazy and I'm like it wasn't supposed to be so stop thinking that way like we're making it, we're making do with the rain like mm-hmm. there's nothing you could do about the rain yeah I know. Wow. We all live in Los Angeles and we do stuff here so because it, it doesn't rain. Yeah. And then all of a sudden... I know. It was pretty surprising for a bit. Yeah. yeah it was horrible because we were doing um, dirt bike racing, like, well, motocross. Um, and it was like we needed, like, we needed dirt. And everything so now was we mud. mud bike racing. Oh, it was horrible. It was horrible. I felt so bad. Because the thing is, like, it just, it just, well, we ended up doing it. So, like, I can't wait to see the finished product and what it looks like. Yeah. But, like... Everything actually ends up working out anyways. So yeah. whenever someone gets upset about something, it's like, it's going to work out. It always does. <laughs> so yeah. just don't get that upset about it. Yeah. <laughs> so funny. Well, is it, is it true? Like for, like we do a lot of events and fundraising. So you have this concept in your mind. And if one little aspect doesn't happen, some people fall to pieces. But the people that are going to come to the event, they don't know that that's what you had in mind. So mm-hmm. they still think what you came up with is great is this is that the same thing where the weather kind of threw you guys for a loop but it may work out just fine anyway yeah 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 exactly and honestly that one little thing uh, it normally happens people freak out only helps people that are just getting started in the business like Mm. first-time directors or whatever really they they don't get what they wanted and think now it's going to be a disaster and it's not going to be a disaster yeah okay yeah yeah that that was yeah we've had a lot of first-time directors lately and so like it sucks when they can't get what they want because it's like it is their dream. They're finally getting to do this. Yeah. You know, and then they can't have it the way they actually pictured it in their head. But it's like, you can't help it. Like, it's, <laughs> it's just ne- you're never going to get exactly what you want unless you're somebody enormous. Yeah. Who has the time and, even and then. the money. <laughs> and even then. <laughs> exactly. Oh. I know. So would you, if, if there was somebody who was interested in... Uh, getting into a uh, production coordinating position, like what, what would you, re- like I assume you'd recommend starting out with an office PA and sort of feeling that out or? I would actually recommend them work on set first. Oh, okay. Oh, well, you did say that yeah. earlier. Yeah, yeah. Well, because only because like if you don't know what set is like, you have no, you won't be able to say, hey, no, 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 ask this person or like you'll be asking the wrong person constantly for mm-hmm. things. Um, a lot of times like a lot of people don't know that craft service also cleans. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like that kind of stuff where, um, so, you, so I get calls from the eighties saying like, we need a broom. Like we can't find a broom or whatever. And I'm like, well, ask crafty or, or ask transpo. Like, so the thing is like, if, if I wasn't on set, I wouldn't know that. Yeah. That kind of thing. And I've learned something yeah. interesting about craft service. I don't know if this is actually true or not, but they're actually the service for all crafts. So they are allowed to touch um, like uh, director's chairs or Apple boxes and like they can what? touch whatever they want because they are craft services. Store. They're not just food and cleanup. Oh. They're actually able to help out anybody. Really? Anything. Yeah. Oh. Huh. I don't I've know. Never seen let's, that come you know what? Before. Let's look up let's look that up later. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. Hmm. Yeah, and I was actually kinda of fascinated about that. Huh. I'm not ask craft service person next time I look. Do it. <laughs> what are you talking about? I'm like, well, Emily Thorne told me. Ah, <laughs> uh, yeah. And I have it. I have proof. <laughs> Listen to the recording. Here, let me get my laptop. <laughs> yeah. But, um, yeah, I would say to start on set. I would definitely get to know, because the thing is, if you start on set and you end up loving set, then that's where you really belong. Mm-hmm. Um, because once you make it into the office, if you don't like it in the office, you're not an office person, you're going to hate it. Like, you're going to want to get out and go out to see the sun, like, do whatever. Like, I'm totally comfortable being indoors, so it's like, for me, it's whatever, it's a dream. Mm-hmm. But um, you have to figure it out. A lot of people think they want to be an office PA and they want to do a kind of a corporate setting, and then they realize that it really is just paperwork, and it's making sure that everything is getting filtered through us, and it's getting clean, and we're going to have a solid wrap-up by the end of the show. Everything's signed. If it hasn't been signed, someone needs to be called to come in, or we need to have somebody go over, have someone sign something. There's a series of like 
little things that would drive just a creative person crazy. Mm-hmm. Um, but for anyone who's okay with black and white stuff and just has a, a knack for keeping things organized, you would love it. Um, but I would definitely suggest being on set because there's so many times when I'm speaking to the ADs where they say, we can't do that. And I say, yes, you can. Like <laughs> I did that myself when it comes to walkie talkies. Um, that is like my biggest pet <laughs> because, um, when I used to set PA, we used to, I mean, this, obviously this is like years ago. We used to collect the walkies at the end of every night. Mm-hmm. So char- discharge them. But now everyone's allowed to hold on to that walkie till the end of the show. And we're talking sometimes one month, we're talking sometimes three months. Mm-hmm. They get to go home with them. They take them home on the holidays during hiatuses. They like take them off and they, they drop them off. They put, they, all of a sudden they fall between their car seats. They lose batteries. They lose all sorts of things. Um, like they just don't, they don't care because it's not theirs. Mm-hmm. So then they'll lose their walkie. They'll come back in, ask for another one. They don't say, tell anyone that they lost one. Like it just becomes an ordeal and they're not cheap. They're like $400, $500 a piece. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and no one cares in the beginning, mm-hmm. but by the end of it, everyone cares. Yeah. We have $5,000 worth of L and D. We got 6,000, 7,000. And it's like, <laughs> I, Am I supposed to care so much that I'm going to do it myself and I'll just collect all the walkies from everybody? But, um, yeah, there's certain things where, like, you know it's possible, but sometimes you're just not going to get your way, so you just have to accept that. I, I still have a very sensitive spot about that, but it's fine, I get, whatever. I get the email at the end of every show, like, the, the mass email that says, hey, guys, we're missing two walkies and eight batteries. Does anybody still have them? Mm-hmm. And I, I think I made the joke in a response saying, I thought the batteries were disposable. <laughs> I didn't think that was funny. Oh, that's really funny. I, I've never heard that one before. <laughs> yeah, I wish they were. I wish. Because it just sucks because then we're the ones that have to find them. And so we have to do that email at the end of the show. We have to call the departments. We have to call locations. We have to see if anyone left anything behind. Like, it becomes a problem for us, and that's the exact act. Like, what I'm talking about with the 80s, where like yeah. they're done with the show, and then they say, Bye. You know what yeah. I mean? We're gonna we're gonna put this person in charge of walkies, even though they've never done it before. You know what I mean? And like, it's thousands of dollars worth of loss and damages. Yeah. And if you're doing well, then fine, you got the money to pay it in the show. But if you're not doing well, that five thousand dollars hurts. Yeah. So, and it also is um, someone's labor that they're yeah. gonna pull from because now they've run out of five thousand dollars. It's like, it's crazy. I worked in a movie one time where there was a, a political hire PA who, I, I don't know why this came up. It may have been because of the location we were at or something, but he was given the task of taking the walkies home over the <laughs> weekend uh, to bring back on Monday, but he yeah. left them all in his car, and then his car got, got stolen. stolen. Yeah. It happens a lot. Mm-hmm. But he had all the walkies. He had all of them. <laughs> it's just like, that's the worst thing you could possibly all you, all you can do is laugh, because honestly, it's like, you know this guy is like, He's dying inside, <laughs> and you're just like, it's not that big of a deal. They gave it to you to take home, and it should have stayed in the office, or yeah. it should have stayed in the trailer and charged. Like, you, nobody should ever take equipment that is being rented or belongs to yeah. the company home, yeah. ever. I yeah. still don't know why that had that happen, because it was, it was a oh, pretty big poor movie. Thing. But yeah. <laughs> oh, I feel so bad. Yeah. Maybe he turned out all right. I, I would have bought him a coffee. <laughs> I would have bought him a coffee and said, it's fine. <laughs> don't be upset. I did a show in Detroit, and I'm never going to do a show in Detroit again, um, where like the very first like day or so, we had all of our walkies stolen and I was like, Oh, that sucks. You know, that's lame. And then like a couple of days later, looking at the production report and the production report is everything that happened that day, period, not what might happen. It's everything that happened that day. And it's just a full report. And there's a note section for everything. That's like, uh, what's been lost, who got hurt, who fell down. Like, um, if we had a safety meeting at the beginning of the day, which is always at the back of it, if anyone, like, um, if we had a still photographer on set or anything like that, anything you want to make a little note of, all of a sudden it says, a dead body was found on set. Oh, my God. What? And I was like, nobody told me this. This is what sucks about being remote, is that, like, <laughs> you hear that, and you're like, oh, my goodness, like, was it a police report file? Like, yeah. I didn't even see any paperwork come through about this. And then a couple of days later, uh, we had one where... Um, our security guard's van was stolen, and then the security guy jumped into a van to chase the guy who stole his van, and a gun battle went <laughs> in, like, boom, 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 back and forth, right? And then the cops got involved and then shot and killed the guy who stole the original van. And they summarized that on the back of the PR. Report. And I was like, wait, what happened? What happened, TJ? Like... 
shots were fired and everything. I'm like, you gotta be <laughs> kidding me. Last. Yeah. <laughs> it was terrible. And like the worst thing is like there's all this construction, so like you were always taken off of like the de- 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 detours into horrible areas yeah. and stuff like that. It was construction everywhere. And it's like you got so scared. Always. Like yeah. these production reports weren't helping me. Yeah. Like they were making me terrified. <laughs> Dead bodies and shootouts? Yeah. Going back to no big later. deal. <laughs> and everyone's like, we had this asbestos problem too, with a place where we were shooting for a couple of days and there was asbestos and then everyone had to like wear masks because they were breathing it all in. Oh, and yeah. it was like a horrible show. It was <laughs> so crazy. Um, and I kept on reading about it. Um, and so we had to like, I think we had some like workers comp or whatever where some people had to go and check it out because they were coughing or something. I don't know. It was nuts. Um, but I was just Fit like production report uh, three PAs were kidnapped <laughs> oh no <laughs> it's terrible they took a detour we never saw them again <laughs> it's terrible but yeah oh my gosh that was a rough show I came on that show to it was they hired all locals and it turned out that the locals are slowly being replaced by LA people mm. and by the end of the show oh, we were God. all LA like it was crazy yeah. it was just like a, a nuts show was there a revolt I guess so. Must have been. Yeah, I know. And it was like the one show where I tried to stop drinking caffeine, and I ended up getting a horrible a caffeine headache, and I thought that I was dying. And I was like, uh, and someone gave me a coffee, and I was like, oh, this is what's wrong. Oops, I'm so sorry, guys. I was down for two days. My bad. Did the movie at least win an Oscar when it came out? Was it, it worth it? <laughs> straight to video. It's fine. Oh, no. It's fine. straight to video. I don't understand this term. That you're <laughs> yeah, uh, blockbuster, Hollywood video. Uh, are these movie names you're coming up? <laughs> you're hilarious. <laughs> well, thank you so much for coming in. And, yeah, this and is fun. Because yeah. I feel, with, you know, with each new episode, we get a whole different perspective on what it takes to just get a film or TV show off the ground. And I feel this is a whole completely new perspective that I'm sure most people don't even really know about. And what the thing is, too, about. is every production coordinator is going to have a different exactly. way to describe <laughs> it. So there might be some listening and it'll be like, uh, no. no. <laughs> you know what I mean? So, I mean, no matter who you interview, it's always going to be a different way to approach something. Mm-hmm. A lot of people want to wrap out fast, and they wrap out fast, and they don't care what it looks like. So, it's like, it doesn't, it's, everyone's going to do things differently. Yeah. But yeah, it's definitely my perspective. Well, cool. <laughs> and it's, we got to make sure that it's not another eight years before we see each other again. <laughs> please. Yeah. Please. My kid will be off in college. It'll be crazy. <laughs> I know. True. Well, thank you. Thank you. And thanks for listening. Please take a moment to rate and review us on iTunes. Uh, you can also follow us on Twitter at HWBB Podcast. Uh, we're also on Facebook at Hollywood Backbone Podcast. Thanks. Grace, no,